We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So I think you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hey everybody. Value Add with K&K, Crystal Kenny here. Just want to say thank you so much for the support, for listening, um, the comments, everything. Keep it up. We'll keep going as long as we can. And if you like what you're listening to, like what you're watching, uh, tell your friends about it, leave us a review, maybe even give us five stars. We love those. That's how we can grow and continue to bring you guys value and spread the word. Thanks, guys. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K&K. And if you don't know me or you haven't tuned in yet, my name is Crystal Moore. I am one of the K's in the K&K, and I am also the broker and owner of Pacific Shore Capital, where we will get you the best commercial or multifamily loan in town. Bam! And my name is Kenny Simpson, and I am... I'm going to say I'm the first K because I'm the tallest. I'm not saying I'm the baddest, but I'm the tallest, which we can say yes. I do residential, if you don't know, one to four units. And damn it, I am good at what I do. And today on the show, Crystal, who do we have? We have uh, Nick Norris and Brian Gruber. They are the owners of Range Partners SD. They specialize in commercial leasing and uh, acquisitions or sales if you need help with that as well. Uh, but beyond just being brokers, because I know, you know, whatever, fine, half of San Diego is in real estate, but these guys are just like two really awesome dudes. Um, Nick Norris is a former SEAL. Uh, he has tons of crazy stories. He knows probably all the seals that you guys might have. We couldn't even fit them all in. We yes. barely just got started, but we had an amazing conversation about him being a Navy SEAL. He was on the Tim Ferriss podcast. These guys are entrepreneurs. These guys basically are badass athletes. They, they also donate their valuable time to give back to charities. Brian's a badass swimmer. Damn it, he'll even train your dog, which Monty's excited about. So he volunteers at the Humane Society. And honestly, tune in because it's such an amazing conversation with two badass dudes. I was excited to hear about a SEAL because you know I like to get up early and push myself. So I think I got a little bit more motivated by listening to these guys. What he said. <laughs> tune in, it was an awesome conversation. We had a great time. And um, it was one of my favorite conversations. We could have kept it going, but we had to wrap it up after like an hour, hour and a half or so. So here we go. Um, all right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Value Add Podcast with K&K, Nick Norris, Brian Gruber. Thanks for coming in today. Yeah, our our pleasure. pleasure. What's up, guys? How are you all doing this morning? Good. We're here. <laughs> yeah, I know we had like some conversation before this, but I kind of just want to jump right in and like have the audience know like what your background is and how the two of you came together. Sure. Well, I can take lead if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, start with the best. Oh. Uh, so I grew up in Chicago, uh, went to the Naval Academy, and then left the Naval Academy, went through BUDS, so SEAL training out here. That's Coronado. In Coronado back in uh, 2003. Uh, so I spent about 10 years, 10, 11 years, uh, from like 03 to 13 in the SEAL teams on active duty, um, and decided to leave because my wife and I, we were talking about this earlier, mm -hmm. decided to start having children, 
and I had been with her since high school. So wow, yeah. So we postponed having kids for you know a decade plus uh, mm-hmm. because I I really wanted to be focused and committed to to that pursuit to being a SEAL and then going overseas and leading people in combat. Wow. Um, so we had our daughter in 2012. I got out in 2013. Uh, went to USD. Got a master's of science in real estate at USD. Wow, okay. So cool. local school. If I knew USD existed before yep. I chose the Naval Academy, I may have just come out here because it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, Once you're here, you don't want to leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're on the USD campus. It's like kind of It's surreal. perfect. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> you're in right? another world. I'm not, I, I went to USD for a few years. I never finished college, but okay. um, it was like ridiculous. Yeah, yeah crazy. <laughs> so, Beautiful place. Yes. So I... Uh, Chose a career post-military that's you know, pretty different, atypical of a SEAL. Yeah. Um, just wanted to do my own thing, kind of create a new identity. I thought real estate was interesting. It was entrepreneurial. Um, it was going to get me in tune with the business community in San Diego quickly. So um, did that and went into tenant rep brokerage. Been doing that for the last seven years post-transition. And uh, I met Brian originally at a climbing gym. So like bouldering, rock climbing is a big deal for me. It's a, a huge part of my life. And we met at a climbing gym. Uh, I <laughs> I guess I, I, I maybe I look like a seal, but I think I, I also have, I don't think so, but I, I have a, uh, I have a, a bone frog, a colt, like kind of a seal tattoo. It's, a, it's very synonymous with, with guys that are in the teams on my ribs. Uh, so he probably noticed that. He was uh, had been aspiring to go through BUDS, um, through the OCS program. We hit it off in that capacity, and then uh, uh, I will let Brian take it from there because um, he has his own <laughs> That's story. That's when the story starts. <laughs> yeah, huh? we connected at that Brian. point, but cool. um, I will pass it off, Brian. Yeah, thanks. Um, so kind of similar birds of a feather here. Grew up in Northern California. I swam competitively. That actually kind of took me out of a small town setting, and Reading's not that big. I mean, we've got the Sundial Bridge, oh, really? Whiskey okay. Town, Shasta yeah. Lake. That's about it. Yep. Very outdoorsy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I swam club competitively. That took me to San Luis Obispo, where I did my undergraduate study at Cal Poly. Okay. Um, after I was done swimming there and graduated, I kind of went into this weird little phase for a little bit, because I fractured my leg, did a closed tib fib fracture in a soccer game that definitely took me up to like a nine out of ten so i'm not (laughs) not sure where the 10 out of 10 is that's probably in your corner um but yeah so kind of was in a in a challenging situation there where you're not able to like take care of yourself as an adult so was at home with your old mom and dad for a while after i healed up kind of worked my way through osteomyelitis which is a condition where you get a bacterial infection in your leg. Oh my gosh. Almost lost my leg. Um eventually Whoa, got crazy. nine months post surgery and my knee just swelled up, was just, you know, eight out of ten pain, like really severe. Went in, saw my um orthopedic surgeon. He's like, You'll be in surgery tonight. With like I'll see you there. Closer? Yeah. Uh so I just kinda said like, hey, um, when I went through that whole process, you know, this is interesting. Like I was three weeks away from losing my leg. So Jeez. kind of looked at that field a little bit. It's this whole other world that people don't really know about or pay much attention to. It's called orthotics and prosthetics, essentially artificial limbs, bracing, that yeah. whole world. Um, thought it was going to be a lot more of working with 
wounded warriors, challenged athletes, people who have lost a limb but are still looking to get after it. Not the case. Mm-hmm. Much more of like behind the scenes, you're you're in the back working on devices and that's about it. So I'm much more of a social animal. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so I decided like, hey, what am I good at? Like I'm good at mental toughness and physical fitness. So that kind of took me down the road that Nick mentioned where I was pursuing an officer candidate um, contract as well as to go on to BUDS thereafter. Wow. Pursued that for about three and a half, four years while I was in grad school in the Inland Empire, just commuting back and forth um, wow. between San Diego and the Inland Empire. Hate that drive now. <laughs> yeah. but, but it was well worth it. It was something I wanted to pursue. Um, when I was in college, undergrad at Cal Poly, I met my wife. Um, our freshman year, we dated for six and a half years. We've been married for seven. Wow. So when I kind of finally earned my contract to go to OCS and then on to BUDS thereafter, uh, it seemed like I was putting my wife in a little bit more of a stressful situation than I felt was really appropriate. So decided to pass on the opportunity, kind of live up to the commitments that I had already made to my wife. Um, and our life together and starting a family at some point. Um, pretty quickly after I had declined my opportunity to go on, um, Nick and I met at the rock climbing gym. So uh, just connected, hit it off, became good buddies over the next couple of years. And, you know, kind of this little serpentine route to working together. Uh, was working in some different areas. Eventually got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm kind of tired of working with people that aren't necessarily as focused or, you know, driven or just quality, genuine people. Mm -hmm. So I was like, just made a decision for myself that I wanted to work with people who have those attributes that I was looking for, that they genuinely care about others, want to do good, want to be positive people and leave, leave an impact. So I just approached Nick and was like, hey, I don't necessarily care what field you're in. Um, I'll learn it. I'll pay my dues. Let's just work together and we'll take it from there. Cause I want to be around people like you so and I, kind of do that together. So I sent him on like a, uh, a wild goose chase for, <laughs> for like two years, uh, in between actually working together and becoming partners ultimately. Uh, so I, I've mentioned on previous interviews, like I'm, I was way into indoor skydiving. Like yeah. Oh, I saw Flying yeah. in vertical wind tunnels. Crazy. So, uh, and climbing. Yeah. You know, we met at a climbing yep. gym. We're talking about like we like we, we're married now. So I introduced Brian to a uh, uh, an indoor skydiving project that unfortunately uh, didn't make it, but it was in downtown San Diego, uh, and I knew one of the guys that was running training. So I was like, "Dude, you should just go and be an indoor skydiving instructor." So he did that for like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, while they that blew thing- this tunnel up multiple times i mean catastrophic like literally blew it up i actually yeah. was in it the first time Whoa. they tested it uh downtown they like turned it on for the first time probably not the smartest thing yeah. to do is get inside like the <laughs> oh for the first God. time you're running it it's new technology but oh uh my. we went in it and it, 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 it so you're flying around and just we were flying i was like it was very cal- it was super fast so like so you knew like oh, a little... it felt a little sketchy so like yeah. i was being very a little timid i mean i was off the net but i i I was definitely not wanting to move around. The buddy that I was flying with was was flying head down in front of me, and it like detonated. Like the turn uh. vanes ended up delamming, and it like 
auto shut down and dropped that guy like yeah. onto his back and like yeah. fiberglass came up through the the net there's like a, a oh, if you've ever been oh like in, in an eye fly tunnel they have the yeah. wire net yeah. like so everything got blown up through there like fiberglass over oh. everybody so it's hilarious so that's what i told brian i'm like yeah you should totally do that for like yeah i tore my meniscus on that job i got hit in the face with a crowbar i mean it was oh, a nightmare like my i fractured gosh. my nose so as that tunnel had literally <laughs> it sounds it, like, you literally paid your dues yeah <laughs> it sounds like buds or something it's like gosh it's like yeah it's another one yeah yeah yeah, yeah it was, it was it, they were trying you guys still do that stuff no um, or is it? did it recently. I, yeah, so yeah. I hadn't flown. So I flew in a competition over in Japan about a year and a half ago and then hadn't flown for like a year. And then I recently uh, was invited out to a YPO uh, event and was just there to talk. And they were flying in the tunnel in Mission Valley. So I went out and... Oh, this one right over here? Yeah. So I flew with a couple of buddies that I hadn't flown with in a while. So like, awesome. I, I was afraid I was like totally going to forget how to do it. Right. But it's like riding a bike. It's like muscle memory, though. Yeah. You just do so you guys it. do yeah. all the tricks. You can do all the tricks and all that stuff. I'm a terrible flyer, but I'm a good instructor. Like, it wasn't open long enough for us to even really learn how to fly for people that, like, had never done it before. Uh, yeah. But I'm really good at, like, keeping people from killing themselves who are doing it for the first time. Because <laughs> that, that is a little I, – I never – we have it there. But we never went, but you did. But did, it looks yeah. a little gnarly. Super fun. It is, huh? It's really cool. It's amazing the little, just making little adjustments with your hands or things oh, yeah. like that, how yeah. big of a difference and impact it makes. Like, you can fly straight at the wall. You can go up right, or down. Right. I mean, it's insane. It's like it's uh, a lot of fun. It's like surfing in that, yes. and I'm not a surfer, but um, I could see that. lots of time to yeah. get little incremental improvements in, in your capability. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's a... It's a commitment. Yeah, and it, they call it a skill-based sport. It's not a thrill-based sport. Like, mm -hmm. you know, surfing is like, hey, it's thrilling, right? But yeah. it takes a tremendous amount of skill, and mm -hmm. you got to commit yourself wholly to it. Yep. T flying seriously in a wind tunnel, which not many people do because it doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. expensive. Super it expensive. Is. It yeah. is really expensive. Surfing's yeah. a lot cheaper. Yeah. It is. Way, way cheaper. Yeah. Cli <laughs> climbing's a lot cheaper, too. So yeah. I have now diverted <laughs> yeah. back to my pursuit in bouldering. You know, I have a home wall, so I can climb at home. And very cool. Going outside costs me gas money, and that's yeah. about it. So it's much cheaper. Do so you guys do your climbing now, both you guys? Uh, I haven't climbed for quite some time, but why not? I've been doing jujitsu quite a bit. Um, so that I did that in graduate school. So a buddy of mine that we were in class together, he's like, "I need a training partner." I was like, "I don't know how to do that." period <laughs> i've never taken a martial arts class at all and he's like well i'll teach you and i was like oh, okay so we roll so he's a brown belt which is just below black yeah. he's a black belt now but at the time he was a brown and we trained for like two years out of his garage Whoa. um so when i got down here uh nick's brother-in-law was like hey i'm going to this jujitsu school out in uh point loma with rodrigo maduro uh, you should come out sometime. I was like, oh, dude, I'm psyched on that. Let's do that. Because it had been a couple of years since I had trained. So I get on the mat. Like, I'd never been to a school, never been to academy, none of that. And I show up, like, day one, and they're like, Tim, who's this Who's this guy you brought? Who's this guy? <laughs> and he's like, oh, he, like, trained a little bit in graduate school. That's awesome. In a garage. <laughs> <with Yeah. his> <laughs> and they're like, dude, how long did you train out of that garage? I was like, oh, like two years with a brown belt. And they're like, so you've had two years of privates. 
before you came here as a white belt. Yeah, you're not a white belt. That's cool. And I'm like, whatever. I just come to like learn and have a Give good me time. The black belt, yeah. And just like bro out all the time. Like that's all I'm there for. So that's kind of been my pursuit for. You're like you're digging on that. Yeah, for a while. But I did kind of develop a little bit of cauliflower ears, so I'm like a little bit scared now because I don't want to like. End you up don't with want these the big like, old yeah fat ears and just like so you're, can't you're hear doing anything. The full on like you're battling then. Uh, you're train like yeah. if you're hurting your your training partners, you're kind of doing it wrong because if you if you hurt them, they can't train, so you lose lose a training partner. Plus, when they come back, they're gonna be pissed at you, <laughs> right? And like want to hurt. And there's always somebody better who can just murder you. So it's like kind of like be a little bit more humble and just learn the techniques and participate, learn. That's Takes like, good stamina, though. I bet, right? Oh, uh, it's a different type of stamina. So like, if you're a good runner, your first day on the mat, you'll be gassed, and then vice yeah. versa. So I've like been on the mat forever, but I've kind of been going back to running a little bit more. I'm just like, I can't run anymore. I'm such a fat kid right now. This is ridiculous. You got to do like the Rocky training or something. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. For sure. I, I lived in San Francisco for a few years and I thought I wanted to like do boxing. And so you would do this like training program and then like have a boxing match at the end. It was kind of fun. But they would do the whole Rocky training. That was the whole thing. Like the running in San Francisco over the bridge and the whole thing. So it was <laughs> definitely <laughs> tough. Yeah. So Brian's a super humble uh, athlete. So you, I could tell. Yeah, yeah. Very Those capable. are the people who are always oh, like tell. the yeah. best athletes ever. <laughs> they're know, like, yeah, know, I do you know, a little you bit know, of. Somebody's a good athlete is when they're like always trying something new because they get they've mastered something in a way and they're like bored. I got to go try. I got to get mastered something <laughs> yeah. else. And the next thing I know, I'll talk to him. He'll be like, uh, I don't know what you'll be doing. But <laughs> there's plenty of people that just wipe the floor with me. Our... <laughs> yeah, but your skill where you can go in and still like hang, you know, hang. You uh, know what I mean? Yeah. So he's our... humble, loyal, disciplined. I mean, like all those things were uh, the the qualities that I Dr- saw. Drew in you guys together oh, yeah. for sure. I mean, when. When the tunnel finally imploded and, and he was looking for something else to do, I remember grabbing breakfast um, together. And the goal of the breakfast was really just to talk and figure out, like, hey, man, what, what would be cool? Could I be helpful or, you know, yeah. help guide uh, Brian? And, and he said, well, I'd be stoked to learn more about what you're doing and, um, and work with you. I mean, humbling for me uh, that somebody would want to work just so in an industry that I'm in solely because of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how we connected. I mean, it was Brian had zero background in commercial real estate and brokerage. Um, as you know, I was in the same situation, you know, several years prior to that, when I exited the military, I had zero experience mm-hmm. in commercial real estate. I think my experience in real estate pre-grad school was like I bought a condo downtown. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the worst possible time in like 2005 in oh, San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, so like gosh. not a real estate guru by any means. So like I knew nothing. I was a poli-sci undergrad. So I had to learn it from the ground up. Um, I thought it was challenging and you know, ultimately we connected because we're like-minded people. We trust each other. We're loyal to each other. And, uh, you know, I just liked the way that he was built and the way that he carried himself. It seems like you guys are really on the same page. Like that's huge. I, I think a lot of people look for that for a long time and they don't find it in a partnership. Yeah. And the, you see a lot of partnerships we, we were, we were talking about that, that aren't working. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. see so many partnerships that don't work because I think they're more about the business or making the money rather than making sure that they're on the same page. Cause I always tell Kenny, you have to be careful with partners. 
he's been the perfect partner for me as husband and wife. But whenever we are thinking about outside partners, it's like, what happens? How do we handle things when things go wrong? What do we do when we're in a challenge? Because when it's good, everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. But when you're facing challenges, how do you deal with those things? It's so important to be on the same page. Yeah. You see people's true colors when things get stressful. Yes, absolutely. We saw a lot of that in the last downturn. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my previous life, I mean, that's what we train for in the military. Um, you train in very high stress That's... scenarios to be prepped for high stress scenarios when you're when you're overseas. Um, but you you do you see people's true colors when you go through that type of uh, kind of stress inoculation. Yeah. It's good. I think we should do it more on the outside. I was just going to say that because that's like amazing training just for life. It doesn't matter what situation you're in, whether you're in battle or you're at home in a battle with your spouse or your business partner or client or whoever it might be. It's just like really, those are, I think, life tools that would be great to have in any scenario. Yeah. Tough to do it on the outside. It usually takes real world stress. Like it's yeah. not practice. You it, usually only see that level of stress when it's really happening to you in a financial or professional aspect. Yeah. Um, I guess if we all had to go through boot camp, maybe that would help. Right. Yeah. It's started <laughs> tough. Yeah. You know, people always say like, oh, yeah. I'd like to take kind of that uh, that military perspective on, on training and, and inoculating the stress mm-hmm. to my company. You just can't. It's tough. You have yeah. to, I mean, it, it's, it is tough because like it's game day every day, right? You don't, you're not practicing on the outside. Um, like we train up in the military to go overseas and then it's game time and you can make a lot of mistakes in training yeah. and learn from those mistakes. You, you it's tougher sometimes. Some you have real money on the line and the outside, uh, but you know, it's, it's doable. It's just, you need to be creative in how you, you simulate that. Yeah. You simulate it for sure. Yeah. How long, um, <clears throat> question for you, how long when you, when you join, like you're a SEAL, so obviously it's like another level because you're probably what you're putting yourselves through or whatever in combat, but how long do you think it took you from where you, you enter SEALs and then to you feel like you're put through situations, you know, mentally, physically, the whole thing emotionally, where you start to develop or your body starts, your, I don't know if you're training yourself or how, how does your body start to really change? It's your mind where you start can start adapting to these like situations. Oh man. I think you're always adapting. Yeah. And, and by, and I'll, I'll put this out there and I probably always do this now when I talk to people, you know, I, as a seal, you know, I had the opportunity to serve in that community and it's a phenomenal community. And, and we go through a very, very specific selection process. Um, but I served with a lot of guys overseas that were non-seals that were, I mean, amazing. awesome, amazing human beings, <clears throat> mm-hmm. super courageous, saw more combat than I did, uh, were, you know, greater warriors than, than I ever was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, would aspire to be, uh, like them. Um, so I think every branch of the service and community has, um, you know, their own selection and kind of vetting process. But once you go overseas and you get in it, it ends up being really about how that individual prep themselves, how they're going to deal with um, a high stress scenario. And I think a lot of that is just how you were brought up in life. You know, how were you raised as a kid? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you, how committed you were to athletics and discipline. Um, and then you, when you, you kind of found yourself in this, on this path, uh, you know, you end up going to receive and performing, but, you know, to answer your question and be uh, direct, you know, we went through, I mean, I went through training, uh, 03, I didn't get to my first team until 05. Um, and then there was a an 18-month workup 
or 12, I mean, yeah, 12 to 18 month workup to be able to get ready to go overseas. So there was a big runway of lead up to get to a point where, you know, I was first selected, you know, vetted, trained, exposed to a lot of stress, learned a lot of lessons. And then I was thrust into kind of my new guy uh, tour overseas where I'm still learning, right? Because I know nothing at that point. Yeah. But at least I was prepped at that point. I mean, it was multiple years of kind of prep to feel, I guess, competent and comfortable enough to go into a situation where um, it is life or death. I mean, like you, you're making decisions, decisions that you're making as a leader on the ground uh, have a material impact on people. I mean, it could be the difference between somebody dying and um, somebody making it through a bad situation. And it could just be like a, a minor tweak within a decision that could mean life or death at oh, that for sure. point. I mean, I, I think and a lot quick of, too. Absolutely. Just, yeah. Immediate, yeah. like, you know, qu- uh, quick decisions, being decisive, mm-hmm. making decisions that may not be the most optimal decision, but the best decision that you could make in that quick decision-making Moment. cycle. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what you really drive to in training. At least with us, it's, you know, fail quickly. I mean, similar to being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? Fail fast. You make decisions, learn from your decisions, learn from your failures, mm-hmm. um, and then just correct those as quickly as possible and then take those lessons learned and apply them and not make the same mistake multiple times. You know, we were always, always given the opportunity to fail and it was actually an expectation to fail. If you weren't failing, then you're not pushing, pushing yourself to a point enough, yeah. where you're learning. Mm-hmm. But if you make that same mistake twice, that's where like, okay, we're going to draw a line in the sand. Like you, you learned that lesson, but you, you, you should have learned that lesson, but yeah. you didn't. Now you just made the same mistake twice. So um, that's kind of where you draw the line is like that. You, you want to fail to learn, but um, you also need you to really learn. Yeah. When yeah you you got to learn, right. You <laughs> yeah. got to really uh, ingrain those lessons learned. Yeah. No, I think, um, I mean, it, I think because it's funny, um, a lot of people that are successful athletes, whether they're whether famous or not, but you can be successful and never be famous or big. You could just do a lot of things. I think a lot of those guys choose to be entrepreneurs too, just because you just have that. If, you, if you're going to go do jujitsu in a garage for two years, a lot of people need to go, well, I got to go pay the money and show up at the class and it's Monday and Tuesday and they need that push. You're like, just give me a garage and my buddy and I'll figure (laughs) this out. No, but you know what I'm saying? But that's what it takes. Like an entrepreneur is like, we're going to start a business in a garage and it's a side hustle for two years and we're going to grind it out until we go get an office. But I think being an athlete, like I, you know, I played tennis at a bunch of sports, but tennis is a loner sport. Yeah. And I blew my shoulder out, but I was really good. But you know, I'm running hills and tra- hitting um, on a ball machine and training with people that were really good. But it was up to me to schedule it and do it. Nobody was like, here's the schedule. It's like I had to create it. I had to call the people and schedule the place. So I think that plays a role for like anybody in like business and life, you know. It's a different level of commitment. I mean, really, because like he said, for you to go with your friend and practice in his garage and train in his garage, that's a choice that you make every time. So I think a lot of people struggle with that. Oh, I just I don't really feel up to it today. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to just miss this one, you know, or I can't really go. I don't feel like it or I don't feel good, whatever that might be. It's that level of commitment. I think like you said, it's just that drive to kind of push forward and keep going and nobody's going to give that to you. It's really up to you to do it. I think that that journey is what, I mean, I was more motivated by the journey, the path to get to that, that end goal. That's what fired me up. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I, I mean, I found that 
by immersing myself in that experience. Like I wanted to be around the people that I was going through that process with. And that's what fired me up. And I even see it today. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think I do anything I'm doing right now for like the end goal. I do it because I enjoy the process. Like Mm -hmm. I enjoy the grind. I enjoy the ups and downs. It challenges me as an individual. I think it's a constant challenge and finding that, finding something that uh, inspires you to be better. um, That process is, is the cool part. That's, that's what gets me out of bed every single morning. And it definitely seems very intentional for you because you were mentioning that you were really committed to being a SEAL and seeing that through just as I think when you decided, okay, I've done this, now I'm going to come back home and start a family with my wife and be committed to that every day because I was looking at a little bit of your bio on the Range Partners website and everything and it's just cool to see that everything you do is kind of around your family and what's best for your family and your kids and all of that. So it seems that every decision you make is really intentional. Yeah, I tried. I, I try to be intentional. <laughs> I I'm, a, I'm a human being, though, so I have my faults. For well, I think a lot of a lot of yeah. a lot of people just kind of go through life and say, you know, whatever happens, happens, and just kind of yeah. float through. Yeah, no, be intentional. Like yeah. make decisions for a reason. You know, you should know why you're doing something and and have the the justification to back it up. You know, if you're going to be principled about something. And that helps make those quick decisions that you make on a daily basis, even though you're not deployed now that you're here at home when you guys are making decisions about starting a business together or how to grow your business or what direction to take it. It's like, you know what your purpose is and you can make a decision based on that purpose. Yeah, it makes it easier, but definitely not not easy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along that line of thought, I mean, for me, it really kind of came out of my decision to halt my pursuit of the SEAL teams. Yes. So whenever you had, when I had a very big life course change like that, which was four years of intensive focused work towards that, it was, okay, what, now that that pursuit is no longer an option, what do I want out of life? It was just like a completely restructuring of goals and focus mm-hmm. and where my life is going to go and the whole trajectory of that. So from that, there have been really positive implication or attributes that have shown up in my life and just features of it increase like skill with communication with my wife and with others. Mm-hmm. And that be, that came from intentional focus on how do I want to improve myself? What else am I willing to learn? If I'm willing to go and train for two years out of a garage and acquire a skill in a sport area, how can I improve myself as an individual professionally, as an entrepreneur, as a husband, as a partner, as a friend? It was just for me, it it, it became something that I wanted to put hyper focus on, on self-improvement. And they're all related, right? I yep. mean, like you mentioned too, because you did halt going forward with buds and things like that to kind of keep your commitment to your wife. And I commend that too, because I mean, as you know, I mean, I think the spouses do make such a huge sacrifice. We have friends, the same Mm -hmm. thing. It's like, they're basically single parents raising families um, while their spouses are away and they don't know if they're going to come back. That's a huge, and that would put a lot of stress. Oh, for sure. I couldn't even imagine. I, I just couldn't even imagine. Like I get goosebumps even thinking about it. So, um, but I think it's all kind of interrelated, like that commitment that you have, I mean, toward whatever it is, whether it's jujitsu or swimming or, yeah, you know, flying in a wind tunnel and getting hit with a crowbar. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
less of the last one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be the best guy. I can yeah. the face of the crowbar. Yeah. <laughs> Brian has actually taken steps to be that person. But yeah. Well, he was definitely committed in having a partnership with you, like you said. So, I mean, I, it's really cool to see that you guys are on the same page as how your lives have taken you in a little bit different path, but you definitely seem to both be yeah. really committed to your families. And it seems that your decisions are all based on that, um, even within your business, this yeah. new venture that you guys are in. Well, so. and there's give and take. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we are committed to each other. But we also have priorities outside yeah. of like our partnership. Um, but it takes communication. You know, we talk about effective communication being like the foundation to a good team. I mean, I pulled that from my military yeah, experience. For sure, um, communication is is critical to our partnership and and anything that I'm doing on the outside. If you're not willing to be direct in your communication, I think you're. You already have a losing equation. I Um, love that. Like, well, we talk about it all the time because Kenny's such a communicator. He's more of a communicator than I am. He has to pull it out of me. But when we're talking to friends, whether it's about their marriage, if they're having problems, or it's even in a business setting, I feel like a lot of the issues that would arise from business or your relationships, whether it's friends or spouses, is a lack of communication. Sure. It's like the number one thing that we talk about. And we've gone to like a relation a marriage counselor for different things in our life. If we're not seeing eye to eye, we're like, we're going to see Doug. So we go (laughs) and I love it. Well, and he like punches you in the face with reality. There is no beating around the bush. And I'm like, give it to me because I don't need to beat around the bush. I just want to get to the the point and move forward. Yeah. So it's really cool. Nobody should be afraid to have a Doug in their life. Oh, I love it. No, I mean, honestly (laughs) for us too, um, we're proactive about it, but we, we, you know, people are like, how do you work together, live together and do all this? And I said, it's just what you said. It's transparency and communication. Yeah. Like if you don't have that, there's no way we could do this. We'd yeah. kill each other. Um, Resent, probably, resentment forms. Yeah. Right? And I'm probably more it of does. the pain in the ass than she is because I'm more hyper and uh, like things like that. So no, but Doug was something we were like, we should go in. So it was more like we're coming together instead of like this. And it's the same thing as you guys. It, when, sh- when shit goes bad. When shit's good, it's like, yay. But when shit goes bad, you're still partners. Yeah. You're still here. You don't want to ruin it. So we're here. We're not going anywhere. So we got it. We can't do this. We got to come together. Yeah. I appreciate our ability to communicate directly makes us good partners. I mean, I, we, we go through our ups and downs. We have kind of conflicting viewpoints, but you know, when it comes down to it, as long as we, we throw it out there, we might not have, we might not agree We've agreed to disagree on that. Oh, for sure. All the time. But it's better to agree to disagree than sit there and let it fester. Exactly. That's a massive issue. That's the killer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, having an open mind with your partner, too, just because you have to realize that. At least for me, I'm like, I'm not always going to be right. So I have to be open to hearing someone else's opinion. And if it works, I mean, I think you can come to that conclusion together. Sure. And and it still might be that you agree to disagree, but you can do it without holding any sort of resentment. Or, you know, feeling yeah. angry when you go home at night, you know, because yeah. that's the worst feeling ever, especially. I mean, your partnership is like a marriage. It is for sure. Oh, Business for partnerships sure. are a marriage. 100%. I mean. The biggest piece of advice that I came across that was the most helpful to me is identifying unspoken expectations. So <laughs> to yourself and to your partner, whether it's in a marriage or in a partnership, I mean, it's you really have to kind of sit down and think about what your expectations that you may not have even identified to yourself. Right. And then you have to communicate that to somebody else who is intimately involved in your life and the trajectory that you're going on. That is so good. I love that. Cause I think we all have unspoken expectations and it's been one of those things that even with us, it's like, 
if it's an unspoken expectation, the second I realize that it's unspoken, it's like, okay, time to say it now. Yeah, yeah. And then at least it's out on the table. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I kind of expected him to just know this, right. but that's not really fair, <laughs> is right. it? Yeah, we're all yeah, mind yeah. So the dug in my life was like, do you do you want what you want out of life? You can't expect your wife, your partner, whoever to to mind read, yeah, exactly. and to know what you're thinking. And let if you absolutely want that, you have to share that information. You have mm-hmm. to share that expectation, and then ask for help in getting it met. Right. Because otherwise, it's just you alone in your head going, I'm not getting this expectation met, or I don't know why I'm frustrated. I'm just frustrated. Yeah, and the, especially the other in person's new ventures. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially, I mean, even when we had a baby, I mean, we went to Doug even before that, but then having a baby, I remember a couple of months in, it was like, Kenny's such a morning person. So he would get up with the baby, <laughs> and it was awesome. But then he would have a couple mornings where he'd be like, Hey, I've been doing this every day, Crystal, and I expected yeah. that you would just know that you should get up a couple like, days. And I was like, like no, but, but that, get up at two thirty and stay up. I'm like, but you said the mornings are your out. thing. I was like, it's so, every once in a while you could say, hey. Like, I was like, this is going on much. He's like. Yeah, I guess I could do that. I'm like, you could? Like, yeah. But for me, I'm like, that was an unspoken expectation. Yeah. You had yeah. the mornings, I had the nights, I was good with this. Right, right. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> okay, now I need to like, duly it's, it's noted. Because um, our, our dog, I went to this men's group for a couple times. We were kind of talking about it. Like, just, I was dealing with some of my own crap, you know? And um, kind of always say, becoming from a boy to a man, you have that in your life and dealing with some family stuff. And he gave me this book. It's kind of funny. It's called Hold On to Your Nuts for a Guy. Okay. But it's the nuts is the non-negotiables in your life, which mm. is the same thing. So I think a lot of people get together, whether it's business or marriage, um, anything, and you heavily suddenly said, hey, I just want to let you know, like, for me, we work together. Live together. I have to work out every morning. Mm-hmm. I got to do this. If I don't do this, I'm not going to be able to be a good partner or person to you. And that's yep. yeah. One thing we were talking about over there, like I've come to realize with myself is I've got a lot of energy. I can definitely be moody. And sometimes I can't just control it. I'm like, no, I'm kind of like a hyena and I can't. So (laughs) the way I figured it out, I mean, I'm a three, I get up at three 45 and then I have my routine and I, it's my time. And I realized I need me time to be a better person for her and Harlow. So that's one of the things I started doing consistently and it's really changed my life, but that is a non- not like even events in my life, like I get, I'm like I gotta do this. I did so before my wife and I got married. Um, you know, I was very clear that I was going to pursue a career in the SEAL teams. Yeah. Um, so she knew that it was non-negotiable. I mean, that was a part of my life for a long time, like kind of seventh grade on. Um, and then the, another one for me was was bouldering, climbing. Okay. Um, it that is something that that's makes, an outlet. That's your... it makes me a better version of myself. Um, my wife will attest to the fact that when I'm performing poorly in that regard, everything else in my life suffers. You know, I'm not, I don't sleep as well. I'm not the nicest person to be around. You know, I just am not as effective, um, working. So like that was something, if I, am I going to be a, a good version or the best version of myself, I need to be given access to do that. And, you know, it's a, it's an understanding that, you know, if I say, Hey, I'm going to go train, uh, you know, she lets me go train because she wants to have the best version of her husband, not like this substandard person that's there. Like wholeheartedly. <laughs> that's like I mean, your, that's when your he's not time. working out, yeah. even when he's, if he's been sick for a couple of days, I'm like, you need to go. Like, you just need to go do your right. thing. Cause, but it's amazing if you haven't, yeah. like, whether it's 
swimming or jitsu or rock climbing or for me it'd be surfing or working out like if you haven't done it then you go and you get done you're like man i just it's this that you feel like you go home like man you're in a good mood of course i'm in a good mood well, you want to be present too yeah. so yeah. like i mean i'll finish i'll go out and spend a day out bouldering in the mountains and halfway through the day i'm actually thinking about my kids i'm like man i'd be really stoked to be home right now i wish i could just like time travel right? <laughs> eight hours back to my house and, and go have dinner with my son or my daughter um or my wife so yeah but your mind clears and you start to refocus kind of it's funny you say that because it's true you kind of get the crap out and then all of a sudden all the garbage is out and then what really is there is there right yeah. like yeah no it's yeah. good it's it's healthy you need to do that what's your is yours is yours the jujitsu now uh for me it's i mean the biggest one is going to be a soccer game like I enjoy playing soccer immensely. Yet, yet another sport that right. I'm like, there. okay, this is. Are you in like Cameron's league? Yeah, Cameron and I play together. Oh, okay. All the rich were actually. We have a game on Sunday. We'll see if he comes out. He's been missing a few of us. I know his. Uh, <laughs> well, I I met well when I met Cameron in 2000 and like 10. 10. Nine. That's yeah. when he just blew out his knee. I yeah, remember that? Yeah. So that guy's funny. He's like, I got to get back to serving. I'm like, it's going to take six months. He's like, I'm doing it in three months. I'll be back. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. He's out there serving. He's just kind of like a maniac like that. Yeah, he loves water. But yes. I really like playing with Cameron. He's legit. And he's, he's like a, a player. I'm sure it's like you're playing with him or against him or is on the same team? The same squad, yeah. Okay, so that's got to be fun because he's like a total athlete, like super competitive. Totally. So yeah, wow, yeah. man. He like will blow his knee out to like win the game. Like, soccer's great because it's kind of this on the pitch, off the pitch understanding. Where like if certain players are getting fired up and like yelling at you, you're like, ah, eh, that guy's probably a nice dude. He's just you know taking it out on the field a little bit. And then you can like shake hands afterwards and be like, hey, sorry, I was just frustrated. Yeah. And then you're also like getting a good cardio workout in. For me, car- like I've been a cardio animal ever since I can remember, which okay. is why I'm trying to add it more back into my life. Um, just because like long distance, r- I used to hate running. Then I kind of like many people before me read Born to Run and was just like, I'm going to learn to do this. And then I'm not quite up to Nick's standards. I know I was going to ask him about that. Because he did that he some rim to rim to rim, 48 miler off the couch at the Grand Canyon. I don't run anymore, but uh, I, I, chose, I chose to do I chose to do stupid things every now and then. Yeah, and what's, that, what's, that, that was what, a stupid decision. You do? So I had a good friend of mine um, that was a SEAL, uh, is, is out now. Uh, he decided to do a rim to rim to rim, so uh, like forty four ish miles. So you go, you know, south. You can go either way, but south rim uh, to the bottom, up to the north rim, back down, and then back up south rim. So I didn't train at all. I used to ultra run and and be way into endurance uh, sports, and I just I've been focused on short burn bouldering. Oh you know, yeah, yeah, not doing much yeah, running yeah. whatsoever. Oh my god! Yeah, so I suffered. I think I was sponsored by ibuprofen for the last 23 miles. Oh, my God. So your your uh, comment earlier about not taking anything, well, I, I typically am like that, but I took like – You had to. I took that like was... way, way more than I think people would tell you is safe. To How take. was that after? Just uh, recovery so I, stuff? You know, I had gnarly – I think for me it wasn't – so I, I was prepped. I could handle all the cardio, all the up and down, all that stuff. I had – one of my knees was just out of alignment. I found out after the fact. So I got gnarly tendonitis in my left knee. So I just had to deal with like, you know, tendonitis in my left knee. That was really, really, really bad for like the second half. Um, but I got through it. I got a good deep tissue guy that we go to 
Is he uh, in Mission Valley or no? This guy, uh, Kearney Mesa. Okay. Off of Claremont. Okay. Kelly Ke- Schlager. Kelly Schlager. He's like the best. He's like. Period. Yeah, period. He'll, he'll work it out. Period. Oh, yeah. He's, and it's not fun. Those no. Are, those are difficult sessions but he's like, with him. But you, want, you came here to get this worked out. He fixed not me. To... I had like two sessions with him and I was like back to normal. But uh, yeah, my my uh, decision to do that off the couch was <laughs> not, not, yeah, not smart. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, at four miles, I'm like, are we almost done? Like, Yeah, performance was, I don't know. We, we got through it. But uh, yeah, it's a good gut check every now and then. I don't mind doing that. You like that to stuff. do something a little bit that scares you or yeah. push, pushes your limits. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's healthy. I think you should get out, get outside of your comfort zone. No. You know, test yourself regardless of, of what it is, you know, professionally, physically. I think um, people underestimate what they can do. For sure. As you would know, because you're more, in, you did all this crazy training, what yeah. you had to, and, and you know, you're doing this combat, which is, I mean, I think it was, it was interesting. I was listening to the podcast with you, but you're saying the one thing is, is um, some people in training are not that great, but then they get on the field and you're like, hey, what, what, you're like, the, they're like the performer. Yeah. And the right. guy's killing a training. You're like, you got to, like, that's just, it's like, you're, I know well, you're It's like some people are yeah. book smart and some people are street smart. It's just like, I yeah. think when you see that too yeah. in sports, it's amazing. Some people on train, like you know, they get out there, you're like, where'd this oh, guy I come out? Af- I had teammates like that all the time. They just goof off in the water all day long, show up to their Boom. meet, kill it, and yeah, just murder it, and they go to like Olympic trials and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't know where that come from, but I want it. I right. want that in my life because I'm hard worker. Like every single practice, never skip a set, and they just outperform me. Yeah, do you think that's just like just a, I don't give an F mindset? Like just when they get out there, they're just like – because sometimes people would say it's not just natural ability, you know? Like it's – Swimming I feel is a little bit of an exception um, because there's people that don't touch the water for years and can still just jump back in and hold their base. That's natural ability though, right? Oh, yeah. This guy, Corwin, I swam with. He lives in Santa Barbara now. I mean, I guarantee you he could get in the water right now and do like 100-100s, the first 50 on the 110 right now. Like, he's he's a freak. He's a freak. Love that guy, though. Yeah, but he's just like... You just go running, but they haven't run. Yeah. run in three years. I haven't run... run 10 miles. I ran like 16 it's... miles, and I'm going to do a rim to rim to rim. Yeah. Well, you hear this is what I was saying. <laughs> I, I think the people that... The people that do that, maybe you know, swimming might be a little bit different, but people that are able to just turn it on like that, they did at some point in their life put in the work, oh, right? Yeah. So like, you know, for instance, I did, I put a lot of miles in for a lot of years. Uh, I guess I consider it like my base, like my base that I will for always sure. have. Right. Yeah, um, sure. I have blown off running as a focus, but I can go back to it because I've, like, I've been there before. The mindset. and I, Yeah, the mindset too, right? I mean, I have that base, but I also have the mindset. And I think the mindset is the tough part to get. I mean, when when I was running kind of like ultra distance stuff. I mean, it, I found quickly that that stuff was mostly mindset when you, I mean, you have people now that are crushing these things are just phenomenal athletes, but have been attracted to that sport, but your ability to just gut it out. And like, Mm -hmm. I talked to my daughter uh, a lot about grit, you know, the ability to just tough it out when things are not good and you don't want to do something. I think that quality is something that I would rather see that in my kids than athletic prowess and talent. Right. So I think that grit is like, that's the mindset. It's like, I mean, you can turn it on and be like, okay, hey, I may be ill-prepared, but I can suck it up and I can gut it out. And it's hard to measure, right? I'm good I'm, at suffering. Yeah, I'm good at suffering. Right? People, like if you look at people that are not athletic, didn't go to school, but they built amazing companies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've 
and you've heard their stories of up and down and almost lost everything. Like they've, it's like that marathon. So they have great. They just, right. Yeah. yeah. That's why they know they're yeah. just like, I don't need to be smart. I can just out grit you. Yeah. They didn't throw their hands up in the air, or blame other people. You know, they held themselves personally accountable, whether that's externally or internally. And they just decided that they were going to move on and be successful. When you're pushing, when you're pushing yourself, I mean, you're a leader too, and you're pushing yourself um, and people are just want to quit or give in. I mean, and you were there too. Like when you get over that, do you feel like your body starts to realize like, wait a minute, I can push past this. But also is when you push past that point where you, the first time where you never, like, I never, I don't think I'm going to be able, and you did, does your body just automatically like, cause I don't, I think I push myself, but never to a point where it's like, I'm going to pass out. And some people all next thing you know, they go run another 40 miles. I'm like, how uh, do you do that? I do. So I remember how painful it is all the time i mean even when i get back in it i mean like for instance we went out and did that that grand canyon event yeah you had to have been there right like yeah definitely i got there again and i wasn't even pushing it like a pace that would have been like a pr for me like 10 years earlier we might have done that thing you know seven hours faster you know we did in like 17 hours which was just like a basically a fast hike you know Mm -hmm. i was suffering during that 17 hours worse than I had suffered in like previous, like 50 milers where I did them in like nine hours. So like, but getting to that point, it's like every time you get there, regardless of whether or not you you, you know that you've been here before and you've pushed past it. Still have that feeling. It's like, uh, yeah, you got to gut it out. It's like, uh, you don't just like have grit once. And then you're And then you're like, okay, I check that box. So like, (laughs) I'm good. So I'm going to be able to just gut Uh, it out and grit. It's like every single time. Like it doesn't get easier. Are you, is when you're get past that, is it getting easier? You're just gritting the whole time. I do. I mean, I'm gritting. (laughs) There wasn't a point where like, I'm like, man, this is really tough. Mile 24 to 26. But yeah, no, it was like, I suffered the entire time. And like, you get to a point, you're like, okay, I'm going to. But I, so you I just feel get like, used to the suffering. Yeah, kind of. I, I think you get used to it. And <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, for me, it's almost like I've been, okay, I've been making deposits in the bank mm-hmm. or I've been, like, let's put it in instance. I, for instance, I, I made a terrible decision with like a condo that yeah. I bought in 05, but we have now stayed the course and we've held onto that thing and we've been paying the, the mortgage down and dealing with getting renters in there and all that stuff. Now I'm like, I feel like I'm past the point of no return. Like I'm committed to this thing. Yeah. I'm just going to continue yeah. to reap the benefit of the deposits that I've been making. Right. And I could relate that to grit, you know, in a bad, tough situation. I've already, let's say I've been, I've been gutting it out for six hours already. I might as well do it for another six hours because I, the last six would have been worthless and not, not worth the investment. That so I what in. are you telling yourself? Um, I break things. I mean, physically, for instance, yeah. in that situation, I, I, I was breaking it down or me and my, my buddy were breaking it down into 500 feet of elevation gain and however long it's going to take us to make it through that. So I've said like, Hey, we're going to do another 500 feet. And then we hit that 500 feet. We will stop for 30 seconds, you know, eat something or drink something and then, and then move on. So I think breaking things up into steps, palatable steps. Yeah. You know, cause you can't think about, I got 24. You got to think about, cause you'll going. just quit with that. Yeah. No, it's too much. I love it. That was a great, I mean, that was a great event for me to go through, even though it was physical, it brought me back to kind of reminding me what I need to be doing on the professional side. Because for me, I think the physical side is almost easier. Like that's what I knew as a seal. In yeah. The military exactly. is the physical mental toughness part. But on the professional side, it's not as easy for me. Like I have, maybe I have a tougher time breaking things down into tangible bites that are, I can tackle 
that are uh, manageable. Um, much easier uh, doing that physically for me mm-hmm. than it is in that other contra- construct. I could see that it's a different sort of like mental toughness. And, yeah. And well, it's a new new area. Endurance. Yeah. For me, just like running versus yeah. you know bouldering or mm-hmm. <laughs> jujitsu or whatever it might be. It's it's a little bit. It's it's like similar but different. Yeah. Yeah, Physical toughness, there's all these miles, all this yardage, all this whatever mm-hmm. built up. So it's super easy. Like, oh, I know this pain. I know this suffering. Like, I'll just grind through it. It's not a big deal. Over here in this other field, professionally, starting a new business, like going through all these growth things, setting up the service disabled, better known designation, DBB, learning about government tracting. It's all new stuff. And the the grit translates but it's in a new field. So it feels more uncomfortable, right. but it's still like approaching it with a growth mindset mm-hmm. versus like out in it's inward out. What are my controllables? What can I break down? It's a little bit harder because you can't see, you don't know where the finish line is. Right. It's not like a, a map, like a clear road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or set or workout or whatever. Right. Yeah. One of my, <clears throat> I might screw it up. Monty might have to help. One of my favorite quotes is it's by, uh, who's it by? Gotta say it first. The lights. Oh. Lights. Yeah. Um, um, who's the guy? He's, uh, like he's a, an author. No, he's really a pastor. Yeah, he was Christian a pastor guy, here. yeah. David Maxwell or what? Uh, John Maxwell. I John think. Maxwell. Yeah. He, for like, in life or business, he says, you know, a car light, if you have to go three mile, a car light only shines 300 feet in front of you. Yeah. So you don't know anything, business, what's ahead. So most people, they're just scared to go past that point. So we're going three miles. Where are we going? I don't know. We're just going. Like, yeah. And you can only see this much, but you know you got to go all the way. And it's like, that's kind of like, yeah. like, I mean, when we did... um we started buying real estate. We started buying bigger real estate. And then um, when you buy it and then you go rehab it, you're, it's just capital, capital, capital. And then we would get a couple of projects. A couple of times, you know, we were pushing ourselves so hard. We were like, uh, we're like down to no money. <laughs> Everything's on the credit cards. Yeah. And we know, you know, this thing's going to work out. And then we've done this episode over and over. And then, you know, it does get a little bit easier because you've been through yep. it. But every time you go there, you're like, why am I putting myself in? Right, 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 but you're right, like, oh, right. the reward, reward. But yeah. it's so yeah. we kind of know that gut, like, yeah. where it's like you, you go to like you're pushing yourself to have this big gain, let's say financially or with real estate, but your your funds are going to go back up. But it's like we know that pretty well. Yeah, but it is interesting because even for us, it's easy for us to push ourselves in certain areas and not in others. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain things where you're just like, oh, it just, you don't even want to go there, but you know you should. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to push yourself to that limit. And then there's other things where you're like, yeah, I'll go down to like putting things on credit cards and then yeah. we'll get it back up. You know, so it's just, I think for all of us, it's that struggle. It's And it, this is a cool conversation for us because I think it's a reminder that like, Okay, what is it that we're putting off today that we should be pushing yeah. ourselves on? Yeah. And what is it that we need to do? Because it's easy to get comfortable in doing the things that you're already comfortable For being sure. comfortable in. Yeah, you build comfort through experience. Yes, right? exactly. So if you if you always are uncomfortable with something, it's because you lack the experience. Exactly. You have to push yourself yeah. into that uncomfortable spot. Yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah, I totally see it. Yeah, I mean that's just um, you know we we have goals, so to get there, it's you got to it's like. We're going to continue to put ourselves in that comfortable. But then 
it actually starts to becoming kind of fun because when there was, you know, you see the results, it was, it's worth it. Right. Yeah. But the process sometimes is not, it never gets easy, <laughs> no, right? Yeah. It's always no. difficult. It doesn't matter. Things will happen. Yeah. Unexpected. There's always unexpected, you know? Yeah. You just, it's just how it works. If it is easy, you probably are not pushing hard enough. Exactly. No. And then even pushing yourself becomes easy in certain aspects. So whether it's buying real estate or whatever, it's like that becomes easy. And then it's like, okay, how else now do I need to push myself? Because that's pretty easy now. Yeah. Like we've done that, you know, 20 times. Now yeah. it's like, what, what what else do we need to do to push ourselves? It's like go bigger for us. That's what yeah. it is now. It's yeah. like we bought, just bought a 30 unit. Now we're like, okay, we need to go buy a 50 unit or like that's the, that's the next. And so everybody's like, I'm just trying to buy a two unit. I'm like, we were there. <laughs> now I'm here. A two unit's boring. This doesn't do anything. It's like yeah. you going, let's go run two miles. You're like, let's just go run 20. Like, right, right. well, I don't run 20. Well, you're going to do it. We're just, yeah. just get it over with, yeah. you know? So you guys started range partners now. Was that in August? It was in like August. very recent. Okay, yeah. cool. And so you guys are doing kind of similar to what your background was before, like leasing and acquisitions for, is it all commercial, like basically industrial? and All, all commercial. Yeah. Um, so it's called tenant representation mm-hmm. um, or buyer representation. Mm-hmm. It's on the commercial side. So representing corporations predominantly mm-hmm. in their real estate needs. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's, that's it, you know, focus solely on that, but with the, the new partnership, you know, maybe looking at some other targets of opportunity within the government world, um, you know, with the designation that we were able to, to accrue. And then looking at some larger Fortune 500 business that that is looking at diverse supplier relationships and bringing kind of a boutique diverse supplier into the mix. Very you know, cool. We may be small, but we have the competence and capability to to do a really good job for people. Yeah, I think is would you say that that's kind of what makes you guys different though? Because a lot of the tenant representation firms that are out there are pretty large yep. firms, so you don't get that boutique kind of customer service yeah. personal feel. I mean, when we sell. If we're selling against somebody else or competing against somebody else in a larger firm, I mean, what I like to always say is, you know, you are going to deal with me or mm-hmm. Brian, um, mm-hmm. not the large company that the other person works for. Mm-hmm. Just because they have a lot of size behind them doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get like this uh, inordinate amount of value from that large organization. You're going to be interacting with the person that is representing you on that transaction you need to be able to look them in the eye, trust that they know what they're doing and they're going to do the best job possible for you. Mm-hmm. So that's what we sell ourselves. You know, you are getting us when you hire You're us. You're not going to get our assistant or yeah, some no, I mean, we, third person that right. you've never met. Yeah. Yeah. We swing our own. Once hammer, I bring it right? in the door, like I'm gone. Right. Yeah. 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 We, we're not segmented. We're not big enough to segment it right. off like that. Like we choose clients that we want to represent that want to work with us and when they have when we have that mutual trust and loyalty it yeah. works and that's who we want to work with i feel like i mean at least for me and my experience with us and our clients like that's one of the things that people love working with us is that it's we're small and i think that that mentality has kind of come back because there is so many there are so many big firms out there that it's it begins to feel really impersonal mm-hmm. and you kind of like get this person that you really like at first and then they're gone and you're like, Hey, what happened to that person? I came with you cause that person was going to fight for me and they right. really sold me on this. So I feel like the small business feel and that kind of specialized feel is becoming really 
uh, much more respected and sought after yeah. nowadays. And it's really cool because it's something that you guys really love and want to do. And people get to kind of feel that directly from you from start to finish. It's like a real relationship. Yeah. Yeah, it should be, right? We yeah. spend so much of our time working. We sh- You should be authentic and real right. in your approach in business. And honestly, I think um, th- like, you know, the fact that you guys go out and you're on your own and you're smaller, clients, uh, if smart clients are kind of like, well, this big company over here has all this traffic coming in and they've got, you know, they've got to deal with a lot more traffic and a lot more transactions and a lot of people wasting their time. And over here is like, you guys really, if you're going to do business, you need to do a great job because like, we're like, we want to ex, you know, huge expectation because we want a referral for sure. And that's how we are. We like referral driven, mm-hmm. but these big companies, sometimes they go in there thinking, Oh, I'm going to go here. Cause it's um, the place to go. They don't have a good experience. I'm never going to go back there with us. They don't have a good experience. It's, it's, I, we take it personal. It's huge. Sure. You know, like that's, I'm sure you guys are these yeah. big ones like, ah, oh, we'll just have another one come in. Yeah. And I think, um, and two, with these big firms, a lot of these brokers coming in, it's like a revolving door. Yeah. They're coming in and out. They're moving around because they're not happy. Yeah. You know, they were sold on something that they're going to go in there and get all this. And it, it's not true. So, I mean, we just had Bill um, Anderson on here with Acre. And I think that's the same thing as, you know, a lot of these guys left the bigger firms. They're selling apartment buildings. And at first, you know, you know it was struggling. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're like a name now in San Diego. But they built that. But it's like their competition to the big guys now. Yeah. And they know like, you know, these deals matter, you know, yeah. and they, they, I think the deals matter sometimes more when you're just it's your it's your company. You did. It. I don't know why. It's yeah. just it's just a thing. Well, and it's a little bit different too, being your own business. I, I mean, it's like you you're more concerned about doing a good job for the client than you are going after the commission or the paycheck. It's more like sure. that all comes when you do a great job for someone. So yeah. I'm not focused on that. Yeah. If you're unhappy, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make you happy. 100%. I mean, yeah. that's Brian and I, our mantra is that. I mean, it's like the client is what matters. It doesn't, the commission is ancillary. Right. You know, we are at every single time. If we need to do something, it's going to be for the better of the client. Right. And if that means foregoing a portion of a fee, that's like, yeah, I could care less because our reputation is going to be what carries us forward. For long term. For sure. sure. Yeah. We say uh, relationships over transactions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, bigger thinking though, too, because if you can make it right. I mean, we've even had it in the past where we've made it right for a client and Mm -hmm. we've gotten – referrals afterwards because we made it right you know something didn't go quite as planned but we made it right whether it was crediting a fee or taking care of them or waiving a fee whatever it might be but then you get that referral and you save that relationship I mean who cares about the money if you don't have the relationship anymore yeah Yeah. and San Diego is such a small business place (laughs) it is we've done it time and again and to your point about like bigger thinking Mm -hmm. so we wanted to kind of disrupt the commercial industry it seems like it's this old cog just moves so slowly and it's kind of out of the dark ages, at least when I look at it. Yes. 100%. Just this old beast that's been there forever. So when I looked at it, I was like, what can we do to leverage ourselves as entrepreneurs and our mindsets to kind of grow and be different? So that was one of the things that led us to the service disabled better known and disabled veteran business enterprises designations. They don't necessarily it's not like it's going to open up some magical gate for you but they do matter and to the clients that they matter to are generally those that are 
larger, more focused on veteran communities or procurement and creating more positive change. So as long as the relationship is there, we feel that they're going to see some value in that. Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, we wanted to make a commitment to philanthropy to support the foundations that Nick is on as a board member and that I support in my free time. So we donate 10% of every single commission to a foundation of our clients choosing. So it's just ways to to add more value to clients, to show them that we care about them versus just slinging deals and slamming stuff home just to make fat checks. Like that's yeah. not who we are at all. And you guys are, I mean, in Crystal to me, I'm in residential financing, so it's more transactional, even though I can have a client that I'd work with for a while. You know, in commercial like her, you guys, you could have a client that might want to come here and buy or rent a lot of space. And they're going to test you on one. Like, oh, by the way, we're going to, we need to rent like, four more of those and you're like oh sweet and same with her where you guys you could have a big client that really just changes your life financially For sure 100 like this is that's how it is like even in the people we know that sell apartment buildings like some people are like they get the one all of a sudden like yeah we're gonna sell all these and we're gonna buy these and they're just having like oh it's just but it's but it's five ten years of okay you put in the work and then all of a sudden things happen that's what you guys will probably so a lot of the time People in our industry won't work with certain corporations because they're too small. They won't help them find office space, industrial space, flex space, whatever, because they're just too tiny and they won't move the needle. We don't feel that way about that. So we'll help people. I've done it several, several times for free for no commissions whatsoever because they might send us a referral, because they might grow. I mean, Nick has a solid grip load of clients that he's grown from a broom closet to thousands and thousands of square feet. That's Tens awesome. Thousands. I mean, but it's, 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 it's making a commitment because like we want to make the same commitment to a 500 square foot yep. office user as we would to a 50,000 mm-hmm. foot office user. You treat them the and same. And they should, you Absolutely. know. You treat yeah. them the same. You give them the same service. It's like, that's what, no, I mean, that's what it is. When you were there from the beginning and then you're here 10 the relationship because you help them, it's like they're, somebody calls them, they're like, I'm sorry. Nope. I got 10 years, five, yeah. like, I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Like, <laughs> I care more about like, hey, what does that person you think, know, of think of me? Yeah. If I go see them, I see them at like a Starbucks or wherever, mm-hmm. you know? I, the last thing I want is somebody to be like, man, that guy really let me down. Like, I never want to let people down. That's been kind of like the story of my life. Like, oh, I, for sure. You know, yeah. I, that, that was people asking that was me about survival for you guys. Well, yeah. people ask me about, hey, what's what was the glue that uh, held like a combat unit together? And like, I think it was the concept of letting somebody down. Like, mm-hmm. nobody that I have ever worked with in that capacity and, and now is like, is, wants to let somebody down. Like, you all felt that sense of responsibility. Oh, for sure. More so than yeah. like, I mean, even more so than like dying. Like, I mean, and, and to make it extreme, I mean, being overseas, like the thought of letting somebody down and not holding up your end of the bargain mm-hmm. was more terrifying than, you know, maybe the concept of like, you know, getting Death. shot or yeah. something like that. I mean, and, and it's and it's reality. I don't think I'm being dramatic at all. I can tell you in the moment, that's what I was thinking about. I was thinking about letting, making sure I hold up my end of the bargain and I fulfill my role, my responsibilities to the best of my capability. But that's why the team is so successful, right? Because yeah. everybody feels the same way. Yep. Yeah. And you have to, and it, you know, easy to say about the SEAL teams or any combat mm-hmm. unit. 
on the outside, it's finding the right person or people to partner with That'll and the right to groups to, to partner with as clients. Yep. Yeah, it's funny. I think I always kind of say that it's like a 30-unit SEAL team can beat a 300-unit army and somewhere else. It's like because they're just so disorganized and not they, they're not thinking like that. You guys are like, we know where we're going, what we're thinking. We got each other's backs. And that's why I say when it comes to companies, it's like you can have a big, massive company and it's like a mess or you could just be small, lean, and mean mm-hmm. and do a lot of damage, Yeah, right? Just because you, you know – like you had those, you know each other's unspoken truth or whatever you say. You just know unspoken hey, we expectations. This, yeah, we go this yeah. way. We go, but you just know. Yeah, you've communicated effectively, and and you know loyalty exists there. Yeah. I mean, I, loyalty is something yeah. that I've, it's very very difficult to. F- I have found it difficult to find on the outside. That's Absolutely, we, and we were talking about that earlier. Yeah, I was saying how like a lot of I see that like it doesn't matter any form of the military. You come out, and they're like. It's like a letdown. It's like yeah. ugh, I'm back in the reality yeah. of because this reality is completely different. You got used. I got used to trusting everybody implicitly and like just saying, "Hey, I'm I am going to give that person or that group the benefit of the doubt. They will be loyal to me. There will be mutual respect and loyalty." Not always the case. But to your comment, like reason a small element is capable of you know doing really really great things that are magnitudes larger than their their size is because that loyalty exists. And when that loyalty exists, people are willing to go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. So the, the capacity that you get with a small group is exponentially more effective because, you know, people are going to be committed. You know, if that loyalty doesn't exist within a team, and I don't care if it's in the military or, or out in the private sector, like people are going to, they're going to punch the clock. They're going to do their nine to five and then they're out of there and they forget about it. When you have like serious loyalty within a team, People are going to work tirelessly. They're going to put in the extra effort. They're going to be, you know, on comms, you know, twenty four seven to get the job done because they don't want to let their buddy down. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think that's the differentiator. No, I agree. And it is a tough thing to find. I mean, I think it's... a lot of large companies struggle with that very thing. <laughs> Even when you have small teams within a company, it's it's hard. I mean, there's people on the team that are in disagreements or don't like each other or maybe have other items on their agenda. They're not focused. Mm-hmm. It's really really tough. I think that that's like a corporate culture that's yeah it's a tough very tough to figure yeah, out it and is. again it's like it's really hard you're not going to put everybody through a selection process to <laughs> right. get the idea but and even when you try it's tough it's hard yeah because some people make put a good front on a good sales yeah. pitch on then you come in i always like, say oh. the representative is always great and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's like yeah. you always meet the representative and they always say all the right things and then right. it's like wait until you get in here you yeah know? get wait, in the no, weeds and get stressed no, out wait till yeah. it, wait till it's game time to perform right yeah. and then we hit us it's, it's like yeah like you said i mean it's in real estate you know you deal with fire drills Mm-hmm. Like we, it's, it's always something in real estate, right? Yeah. It's just, there's, there is even, you just, it's so many moving parts. Yeah. You think it's not, but there's, oh, we didn't know the building had, you know, environment. It's like, what? Just something, <laughs> you know, it's always, yeah, yeah. so you got to be ready. And right? you have to rely on people outside your team, which can yeah. be challenging yeah. at times because they're not on your same page. Oh yeah. <laughs> internal teams on the client side, internal teams on the landlord side. Yes. It's a very delicate act to yes. balance. Choose your partners wisely, <laughs> yeah. yes. regardless of whether they're internal or they're external. Oh, no, for sure. So right. are you guys selective with your clients too? Like, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what? I'm, you know, hey, we lose clients and we, we, we win clients. Um, I, if we lose a client, I never want it to be because we did a terrible job. Mm-hmm. Right. 
if I lose a client because there was a lack of loyalty and they got distracted by the next shiny object out there, I personally feel good about it. I'm glad that uh, that relationship ended because it was going to end at some point. And I want somebody that sees the value that we bring to the table. And I want to have that mutual respect and loyalty Mm -hmm. because I want to be more than just a broker. Brian and I want to be more than just their tenant rep broker. Right. We want to be there to support them throughout their, you know, kind of growth cycle. And even like personally uh, beyond kind of the professional side, Mm -hmm. you know, if there's things that we can do to elevate their business um, or elevate them personally and, and, you know, make introductions. I mean, that's something that we want to bring to the table. I mean, we want to be a full spectrum partner for the people that we're doing business with. No, I think that's smart. Like Crystal and I, our thing is, is um, I think one of the things why we're so successful with the real estate part is we've done the financing. We had a property management company. We went, we had a thousand units. We sold that. So that was a lot of work, but it was more, we wanted to do it even though it wasn't fun. We wanted to do it because we wanted to learn that part of the business. Mm-hmm. And then then you have the acquisition and the rehab and all that. So when you take a real estate transaction from here to here, we've done it a million times and we've done it. We've lived it. We breathe it. Yep. And so what you're saying is what's cool is if somebody, we close a transaction alone and they know like, Hey, I got a question about management. I got a question about this tenant. I got a question about insurance. I got a question about this kind of rehab. Do you think this is too much? Since they know we've done it all, they keep calling us back for this. And then obviously they're like, do you have an insurance agent? Do you have this? And the people we place them with, um, they're loyal to us. They have our back and, um, they're going to give them good service because yeah. we know. And that's like you said, it's just full circle. So the more you can say, call me for anything, yeah. they call you not to call somebody else. It just keeps that relationship tighter and tighter, yeah. which in longevity is good for business. You well, know? I want to consider him a friend too. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, that's the other thing is you're doing dinners and you're, then you're like, Hey, let's go do something fun. And you know, like exactly. I've so. personally gone to clients' houses and trained their dogs. <laughs> there you go. The dog. You, you definitely need to Seems train our dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, we have a dog that needs training big time. <laughs> we tried to Caesar Milan them. Yeah, but I'm gonna take him. You don't. That. You don't have to Caesar Milan him. <laughs> he's actually really good. He's a very talented dog trainer. So. Yeah, I want to see. Zoe will be a challenge. Yeah. I don't know. Five minutes. I, 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 I swear minutes. to God, yeah, you guys. I, I actually you guys don't really believe you will. Here, oh, that'd have been great. We have to do like a live episode of that or something, like, like a video. I got to see. We need to do this because she is a total challenge for us. But I know for the right I mean, person, it's an, she'd be like it's so an crazy. added benefit of using range partners yeah. for your tenant. Right? There you go. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. So you get you get, a, yeah. you get a I mean, dog trainer. Like poodle for God's sake! <laughs> so like how hard we, could it? Be? The reason why we're going to use yeah. you is because we have an office dog and he's terrible and we need. Oh yeah, sure. That comes with it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't uh. hire Brian. He doesn't take <laughs> clients for dog training, but you can hire him as your broker. Oh my gosh. That's typically how it goes. Though, as people just like we connect, they start telling me about their dog. We end up training their dog together, and then they're like, Oh, I need office space. And I'm like, Well, we do that too. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, he's not lying. He's like, We actually have one client that way. I wanted awesome. to um, talk about how do you call it the skincare company or the sunscreen? sunscreen company. I just wanted to talk about like how you guys just briefly. Um, how being involved with that and building the brand, how that's kind of helping you in your business now, like that aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. No, I think, uh, so it was involved with a, a sunscreen company that I co-founded. Um, I think that building that brand, um, it, it's different. Like, so on the service provider side, I think, uh, 
it's tough. I, mean, I don't think a lot of people do brand take brand building seriously. And when you're looking at consumer packaged goods, you have to be really good at it. Yeah. Because you're not pitching. You know, you don't get to go in there and, and pitch sell the person and that's the buying that That's product. a competitive market too. Super competitive, yeah. right? So the packaging has to sell itself. Packaging needs to be like on point. Your messaging has to be on point. Your partners in order to market have to be like the best. It has to be super efficient. And you're constantly learning. And that whole world is constantly evolving. So it definitely, it made me so much sharper on that. I think I'm more in tune with the importance of marketing and branding uh-huh. and messaging. Um, and that was something that we wanted to bring to bear as we founded Range Partners is, you know, we don't want to just be another commercial real estate brokerage firm. I mean, like, Range Partners is a unique name. Uh-huh. And obviously I'm, I was going to ask, do clients go, hey, what's What's Range? Name? Yeah. Do they? No, for sure. I mean, people always think yeah. uh, uh, gun you know, range. range, gun range, you know, my background Out in the military. The Not the case. Yeah. I mean, kind of, I guess in a way it's part of it, but- you know, we look at range as a uh, breadth of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually a book called Range. Okay. Uh, it served as a bit of inspiration for, for our okay. game. And uh, the premise of that, you know, that book was breadth of experience and late stage specialization uh, are going to be kind of accretive to success in, in kind of a, an age where like AI and machine learning are starting to take hold where you can't just be an early stage specialist mm-hmm. and expect to be successful for the rest of your life. You know, yeah. people expect you to know a lot about a lot of different things. And it, it exemplified exactly what Brian and I bring to the table. You know, neither of us were early stage specialist in, in real estate. Um, we both had our paths that we shared earlier that uh, we accrued a lot of really cool experiences. And that experience... You know, even building a brand um, has now led us to this point where we can be, you know, deep specialist in commercial real estate brokerage for corporations um, and bring a lot to the table. I mean, we bring range because, you know, I can I understand kind of the fundraising process. I understand the brand building process. I understand having employees and all the things Mm -hmm. that come with that. I'm not just, hey, I'm the tenant rep broker that surveys the market and negotiates your lease for you. Yeah, I can act, there's a lot can, more behind it. Yeah. You can lean on me for, you know, a lot of things. I mean, yeah. leadership, you know, kind of consulting and all of that. I mean, I, I, I can have deep conversations about a lot of stuff. Um, so that was, that was really the premise of range partners. You know, and the messaging is really on point for you guys. Cause I did, I mean, your website is really direct. Like when you read I could tell that it was very intentional and it is very direct. And the fact that you guys do have like you're sort of whole people, right? Like because I think when you go to a lot of people's websites and read their bios or where they came from, it's just this business thing. We went here and then I love playing soccer and long walks on the beach, (laughs) you know, and it's like – you're not really a whole person. And so for you guys, it's really cool to see that you have had all these experiences and you kind of put it out there on the forefront and people have that level of comfort up front. Like you have all these skills and all these great things that you've done, which is awesome, but you're also just this person or these people that have done all these great things that now tie into your goals today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. (laughs) A couple levels to that for us. I mean, it was one that was part of the disrupting it Mm -hmm. for disrupting the industry for us. We didn't want to like throw up another like stereotypical commercial site and just embrace the stereotypical branding. And then I have always found that vulnerability begets vulnerability from people. So sharing those stories about ourselves with with our clients, with people, it 
it just leads to faster relationships and you connect better. You can connect faster and business spurs out of that relationship as a symptom of it rather than the sole focus. Yeah. So you're not going for the hard sell. Like basically it's like you guys have these things that you connect with people on and they genuinely like you and want to work with you because of that first. We like like to think so. Yeah. If somebody sees us as a commodity (laughs) and they treat us as such, you know, if we go in and we're interviewing and we're going to, we're treated as, hey, you guys are just a commodity commercial real estate broker. It probably isn't the right fit because I would rather see somebody uh, connect with us on a personal level and understand who we are and the depth of experience that we bring to the table and feel, I mean, I mean, be excited about a partnership with us because they know, man, this is awesome. I get these guys. They get to work for me, represent me on a commercial lease transaction. I don't have to pay them because in our industry, you know, the landlord, the owner of the building pays commissions. And I'm going to have these awesome teammates that get to fully integrate with my you know, my team, you know, whoever I'm, I'm delegating that responsibility to, mm-hmm. you know, they become part of our team. And, you know, I, you know, the companies that have become loyal to us, uh, they truly see that value. I mean, I get brought into conversations, you know, with CEOs, CFOs, COOs, um, talking about company culture mm-hmm. and leadership oh, yeah. and, you know, talking through some of the stuff that they're discussing within kind of the confines of the C-suite. I mean, it's awesome. They they recognize that value. And because I can bring value to those conversations, mm-hmm. they're super loyal. Yeah. And they're they're stoked that, you know, we're part of the team. Those are the kind of relationships and the kind of clients that, that we want. You know, I don't want somebody that wants to interview three brokers every single time where their lease comes up for renewal. You know, if that's the case, then it's not the right dynamic. Yeah. Do you find that when you're meeting with new clients, though, people are like a little like they got something they didn't expect? Because I, I, yeah, I, I think a lot of people are interviewing, so, and then they're like, "Oh, these guys are different." Always to the positive, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You get it from like, I mean, there are rare exceptions where we'll show up in like a button down, but most of the time they're like, "Oh, these guys are pretty laid back from inception." <laughs> I mean, my, I think the picture it's still up. I mean, our website's it kind is. of we have an initial website <laughs> up now, but I mean, we're we're you know rebuilding, bettering that, just minimal constant, constant improvement. Uh, yeah, minimal minimal viable website. But I think the picture that I have up on there is like I'm in like a C4 foundation shirt with I think this hat or yeah Probably. actually I think the hat that I'm wearing right now. But, but like sitting there and I've had people say like man you look you look pretty intimidating. It's <laughs> not like the typical like yeah. button down like yeah. suit and tie like smiling at the camera. Yeah. Then, but but you know what that you know what you see is what you get. Like I yeah. I would rather present an authentic version. No, of I us. think. Doesn't it feel so not like you if you have to when you wear a suit? Because I'm sure you have one. I them and it's feel like, totally like an imposter when I'm wearing a suit. Like weird. I feel like so uncomfortable when people show up here in suits. Right. It, for me, I'm like, you should just like take that tie off and your yeah. jacket and just chill. Because yeah. hey, there's a right time and a right yeah. place, and if I, you know, I need to right. wear it because it is you do. appropriate, yeah. great, but it is not who I am. It's not who we are. Yeah, it's like wearing a costume. Yeah, yeah, you're basically. And the wearing, costume yeah. isn't going to define the quality of what right. we're going to do for you as yeah. a client. Yeah. So. Luckily, we're in Southern California, and that's, like, totally the vibe here. I think that there's some of the bigger firms that are still having people wear suits. But generally speaking, I think on any given day, a client would show up for us in, like, flip-flops and board shorts. You know, it's, like, not a big deal. I do a V-neck with a sport jacket if I want to get super dressed up. That's, like, my San Diego (laughs) tuxedo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, That's about as much I think anybody should do. 
honestly. Guys, thanks for coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know of it's course. Pretty, Thank we, you for having us. We probably went, we weren't pretty. We could probably keep going yeah, I know. too. It's it's fun. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. Um, you guys are where, awesome. Where would anybody, like basically to break it down, where would people find you? And then is there, are you, do you guys have specific clients you're looking for? Are you guys just kind of, is it open? And where would somebody find you? Sure. So, I mean, we, we plan our flag around the office space okay. primarily, okay. and then we'll use industrial and flex to augment that. Okay. People are looking for a more affordable option of office space, and they can't afford UTC, like primo space. Yeah. Then we'll put them in like a flex situation or a creative industrial, because okay. like your guys' office, we want it to be pretty legit mm-hmm. and make them feel at home in that space. So there's creative options for everybody. But it's always kind of anchoring around like your office use type tenant. So if you lease office space, uh, you, you're in it now, you're looking for office space. I mean, we are specialists in representing tenants. So the user of office space in, in lease negotiations Perfect. predominantly. Okay. And, if, and if you're out there and you're looking to buy a building, I mean, that's what we do as well. Okay. But most of our clients are leasing space until they're, they get to a point in their company's existence. They want to buy. Where it makes sense to buy. Okay. Yeah. So. And some of those acquisitions are really complex. There's one client that I've been working with for a while now that's trying to do like youth outreach, youth support, military family support, all sorts of creative uses under one roof not a ton of buildings that'll support that. So if it's complex, that's right up our alley. Okay. Love those ones. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then rangepartnersd.com is our website. Yeah. So that's the easiest way to find us. Cool. And then it's, you know, Nick at rangepartnersd and Brian at rangepartnersd as in San Diego.com. Yeah. Those are our emails. You can go decide whether or not Nick looks intimidating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, had, I've had other listing. I've had listing broker friends of mine say, "Like, man, you guys, you look pretty intimidating in your picture." <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> they I'm probably like, know about, the seal thing. I'm about as like, far yeah. from intimidating yeah. as you get. So Five funny. foot six, 155 pounds. That's like, awesome. The most intimidating person. Oh, well, it's been so awesome having you guys on. Honestly, yeah, it was like it was just genuinely like a really great conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally enjoyed it. Cool. I'm stoked to meet you yeah. guys. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. the time. Yeah, us as well. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.